0: Welcome to Thrivers Nonprofit Leadership for the Next Normal. I'm your host, Tucker Wanamaker, the CEO of Thrive Impact. And our mission is to solve nonprofit leader burnout and write some of the injustices happening against nonprofit leaders. Burnout is the enemy of creating positive change. And we want to connect you with impactful mission-driven leaders and ideas so that you can learn to thrive in today's nonprofit landscape. Joined by Sarah Fanslow, our chief of Impact. Sarah, hey, what's going on? How are you today? Hey, Tucker, I'm good. How are you? Uh, It's a beautiful day here in Denver, and uh, it's about to not be a beautiful week here in a little bit, but uh, hey, you at least got the 80s still going here in October, which is awesome.
1: Crazy.
0: I know. Well, we're going to be doing something a little bit different with this uh, particular episode. We recently had the privilege to do an in-person workshop uh, with the United Way of Buffalo and Erie County up in Buffalo, New York. And... uh, I did want to say one thing that was kind of fun, which is Sarah, it was the first time you've been you've been working with us for about two years now. And it was the first time you and I had ever been in person together in those two years. Like how fun was that?
1: It was. It was.
0: (laughs) Now we've known each other for a long time. So I've seen you in person before, but it was like, I don't know, four or five years ago. I think it was in New York City, right? When you used to live in New York City. Yeah, it was before COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Um and so that was first of all that was exciting and awesome just to be facil- I mean, we facilitated. I mean, how many workshops, Sarah, have you and I facilitated? I mean, it's got to be <laughs> hundreds, maybe thousands. I mean, so many, all on Zoom. And uh, this was our first one facilitating in person together. I've facilitated some by myself, but this was our first one together. So, anyway, that was that was great. Um, but we wanted to paint uh, the picture for all of you. Uh, we have a couple clips from. Uh, a pre-conversation we had with Kathy Jemil, who is their chief uh, program officer at the United Way. And then we wanted to give some context about the workshop that we did um, uh, around what we believe is nonprofit leadership for the next normal and some of the components of that. And then uh, do we had a little bit of a post in the room uh, debrief with Kathy as well around that. So we just want to walk you through that. But Sarah, uh, real quick, just from a context perspective, uh, why were we even out there in the first place? Uh, what was what's been our work with the United Way, and uh, wanted to let you give some context to uh, our work there and why we even we why we even went out there in the first place?
1: Yeah, so we've actually been working with them for like a year and a half, which is crazy. Um, and I'd also never seen them in person. And so, you know, our original piece of work was to help the community impact department at the United Way of Buffalo really kind of co-create their measurable goals, the things that they all wanted to work on achieving together over the next three years. Now, the organization has a strategic plan, right? So the goal of this wasn't to replicate that, but really to say, what does the community impact team specifically want to do? And so we engaged over about a year and a half um, with some pieces of time in between uh, to really help them do that, to say, What is the vision for our program department that's maybe different from the vision of the organization as a whole? And then what do we want to achieve collectively, together? And and part of that, one of what we call impact pillars, which is just really one of their overarching goals from that work, was around impactful nonprofits. So as the United Way, most United Ways are convening organizations that fund other nonprofits to do work. And the United Way funds a lot of nonprofits in Buffalo and Erie County to do a wide variety of work. And one of the things that really came out of our exploration with them, and particularly the community, including the nonprofits, was that they were hungry for more opportunities to connect to de-silo, to identify where they could share resources, and really just to feel less alone. And so this workshop was really part of helping them implement their goals that we helped them to co-create and was with uh, CEOs from area nonprofits, uh, really focused around what does the next normal of nonprofit leadership look like?
0: Yeah. So it was an exciting workshop uh it was facilitating really i think it's capacity building of -hmm. the individual right i remember i think to our uh a recent podcast we did of capacity building is about helping people understand what they're capable of which i loved that some of that framing and that's what it really felt like was a workshop around as you said nonprofit leadership for the next normal well here's a short clip of our conversation on the way to the workshop uh it's pretty quick It just gives you a little bit of uh, what we were processing through and what Kathy was processing through as we were literally driving uh, to the workshop. So here's a short clip, and we'll be right back. We are headed to the United Way of Buffalo. Sarah's in the back seat there, and we're with Kathy. She is the chief program officer of the United Way, and we're about to be doing uh, a workshop with your nonprofit leaders. Right, Kathy?
2: Super excited! Yes, been looking forward to this. My eyes are on the road, but I'm also with you here at the podcast as well. We're at a we're
0: at a red light. Don't worry, we are staying
2: safe.
0: Uh, so curious, Kathy, and you know, stay safe, of course. What's going through your mind right now is you have you know 30 of non nonprofit CEOs about to come in and be with us today.
2: How exciting it is to really engage them in such a way that United Ways have always tried to engage our community by by convening uh, thought leadership and moving towards a common goal of community impact. So yeah, we're, we're excited that uh, we're going to bring our, our CEO leadership to our building and have Thrive Impact really kind of lift the bar for us and really be thinking about conscious leadership uh, and seeing how that can impact our, our, our collective work mm. with com- with community impact.
0: What are you most nervous about?
2: Oh, to be what's like, to be keep, like really what kept raw. you up yeah really what, raw? What kept okay, you so I got, last night so i got these like little vases to put on the tables because <laughs> you wanted to have flowers <laughs> and i want to make sure the flowers fit in the vases really right because i want the room to look really welcoming
0: <laughs> okay well i love that that's the biggest thing that's keeping you up
2: yes that's that's, yes. That,
0: that's yes. pretty good that's pretty yeah good. i want our
2: guests to feel really welcome and i want them to really enjoy the experience i know in your run you got it i just want to make sure the united way and we got it as well
0: that's great. That's great. Sarah, any thoughts from you on this workshop that we're about to do?
1: Yeah, well, we're, we, you know, I'm super excited because I think, well, one, we, Tucker, you and I were just talking earlier about the difference doing something in person makes, which we don't always realize. We love Zoom, actually. But being in person enables you to really see what happens to people when we go deeper on the stuff around conscious leadership and what the cost of reactivity is for us and so i'm just i'm just really excited to be able to hear and see in person what goes on for folks in this workshop
0: awesome well more to come after the workshop we'll see how it goes hopefully we don't totally flop just kidding we should be fine (laughs) Uh, but more to come see you soon Oh, uh, I just love Kathy so much. She's so much fun. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. The main thing that was keeping her up was uh, was actually around hospitality, right? <laughs> she wanted to create a warm space for the nonprofit leaders that they serve at the United Way. I love that. She was just such, yeah. such a delightful and deep nonprofit leader.
1: She is.
0: Yeah. Well, Sarah, let's go a little bit into the workshop because that'll help give context to our post- clip that we had around uh processing through what we call pluses and deltas and pluses are things that we loved and appreciated we're proud of uh deltas are things that uh, we'd probably shift for next time or things that uh we had curiosities about that we are not sure and wanted to dive a little bit deeper into but uh before we do that clip i wanted to chat through a little bit of what's really going on here and why why was this workshop even important in the first place. And you know one of our one of the main frames that we have we've been using for quite a while now, and I learned it originally from uh, John Bergoff over at the exchange approach and that community that uh, we've been a part of for almost like four years now. Uh, but they, they got this particular frame from Astro Teller, who is the former head of Google X and it was, form, it was later brought forward in Thomas Friedman's book thank you for being late, but his basically, his premise was, uh, we live in a time where the speed and the complexity of change has been happening at an exponential rate. And, uh, yeah. I know we probably shared about this on our podcast, but just want to give a little context that, you know, and it, it's always funny to me too, whenever we, when, whenever we say that in a workshop, because we say, you know, how many of you before I even move on know exactly what I'm talking about? Because you felt that speed and that complexity happening so exponentially. And I mean, pretty Mm -hmm. much everybody raises their hand. But what he's also sharing is that our ability to adapt to that change has tended to be more linear. And, you know, we asked the question, how many of you have found yourself in the conditions right now? And have you found yourself in your leadership where you're looking back at this change and you're thinking, hmm. I'm not sure how do I adapt to this. Uh, the ways that I've done things before as a nonprofit leader don't seem to be working, and in fact, maybe they even seem to be hurting. Yeah. And usually, when we share this, we get a lot of head nods. And, and maybe some of you who are even listening to this are like, "Oh yeah," and and I raise my hand too. I, you know, I'm like, "Yeah," I've, there there are definitely areas where I have not understood uh how to adapt to this change. And so that's the context that we're setting the stage for which is what is leadership really uh what's really going on and and to the extent that what we just talked about is true around around the rate of change and the speed and the complexity of it that perhaps there are leadership approaches that maybe once have worked maybe when the speed of change was not so fast and not so complex but perhaps aren't working, and as I mentioned a second ago, also might be hurting us moving mm-hmm. forward in our work. So that's a little bit of the premise that we set the stage for of our day and age, literally right now, that perhaps we need to look differently at our whole entire approach to leadership and what that is. Yep. And so what we do at the very beginning of this workshop is uh, we invite people into an activity to be teachers of one another now in this case this is you know all ceos of an organization um we also do the same activity where with everybody inside of an organization we've done it before it's really a leveling of the playing field but it actually creates the conditions to allow everybody instead of us being just like the experts up on the stage we really uh, some of you may have heard this before we try not to be the sage on the stage we try to be the guide on the side and that, The goal of this type of content and this type of workshop that we do is to help set the stage for others to be teachers of one another. Now, we do have content, obviously, like there's some things that we are teaching on, but the teaching is mostly built around helping people to reflect on their own leadership, reflect on what's going on within them. And we'll see that. And Sarah, I'd love to invite you in uh, to share about internal and external here in just a minute. But this first activity that we do I love it so much because it's it's basically asking people to reflect on what qualities or characteristics do you display when you're a least effective leader? And what qualities or characteristics do you display when you're a most effective leader? Yeah. And what's so fun about this is, guess what? Everybody has both of those. And everybody can think of their own. Even if they're like a 20-year-old who you know hasn't had a whole lot of leadership experience, even they have been able to think about these different components. Or somebody who's fresh and new in this space, or somebody who's been around for a long time, Uh, everybody has something to share and something to offer, uh, by being able to reflect on themselves and then actually sharing with one another. Uh, and that's a, that's a activity all of you, by the way, can do with your own teams and it can help to really uh, level the playing field a little bit around that type of, uh, around talking about leadership and how perhaps we all have struggles. Perhaps we all have least effective leadership traits. I know that I do. And so But Sarah, take us into a little bit of the framing now. So we talked about speed of change. We talked about most and least effective leadership. But then what does this next normal look like from your perspective?
1: Yeah. Well, so before I do that, I think, you know, what was so cool about the workshop in part because they were all CEOs is that folks just had a great time. They had a great time with that activity around least and most effective People drew kind of what it looked like for them. And, you know, one person said, when I'm a least effective leader, I'm like blowing things up. Right. It was just it was it was funny. Right. It was, it was a funny. lot. of It was yeah. funny. We had a good time. And so, you know, I think when we can bring humor into these conversations about ourselves, it helps to take away some of the seriousness, which, you know, can be easy to sink into. So I just, it was a really playful yeah, group and I, I loved that about them. But yeah, so mm-hmm. then, you know, the point is that to be a nonprofit leader or otherwise in today's world, there's kind of two pieces of that. And one is about, you know, how can a nonprofit leader thrive through change? What does it look like for nonprofit individual leaders to thrive through change? What are the tools and resources that they need in order to do so? Um, which really tees up our work around conscious leadership, leveraging the work of Dr. Daniel Friedman, um, who we've talked about many times. Um, and then the external side, which is what an, allows a nonprofit team or organization to thrive through change. And those are some of the tools and approaches, which we've al- also talked about frequently on this podcast, but around generative questions around co-creation. And really, the point is that leaders don't need to have all the answers anymore. And in fact, uh, pretending we do doesn't serve us. And so providing nonprofit leaders with the tools to one, recognize that, and to do something about it, is that external side. And those two pieces, kind of going internal and then external, really comprised the, the majority of the workshop.
0: Yeah. Um, and I love this dual interest that, uh, I I've noticed that sometimes, in fact, we even speak to this in the debrief that sometimes we, we focus so much on the external that we completely forget what's going on within ourselves. And that's what I love yeah. about Dr. Danny's work is his, his quote that we use all the time. If we want to lead well in the world, the first place we need to lead well is within ourselves and what's literally happening within our bodies, within our brains. And so we went through some of the neuroscience around when demands are exceeding resources available to us, it sends our brains downward into spirals of reactivity. Uh, We hit on, you know, when we're in reactivity and we're in fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, uh, we start to create reactivity in others and it becomes now a trigger react, trigger react in that the state that we are in starts to affect the state that everybody else might be in as well. And, and we see that there's a lot of um, data that speaks to this, particularly around things like social contagion theory, as an example. Um, but that it really starts with ourselves, like what's going on within. And we, uh, as we share in the debrief, we kind of took people into the deep end by asking them a question around what's an area in your life where reactivity, stress or self-doubt is causing more harm than good. Because part of the yeah. issue that Danny was talking about is, is react, not all reactivity is bad. Right. But many times it might be causing more harm than good. Like reactivity has created uh, safety for us, right? Literally physical safety. It, it's, sure. it's, our, yeah. it, it, it's where we needed to fight or we needed to flight as an example yeah. uh, to literally stay safe physically, especially. But a lot of us aren't in necessarily those types of situations, but we have a lot of psychological things going on within us. And uh, when is the reactivity that we might be in actually causing us more harm than it might be good. And we invited people to reflect on what is it costing you? What might it be costing you and your team and your family and your workplace? And what was really interesting for me is when we can invite people into these questions and especially with that first step around, um, this is why I love that um, most effective and least effective leadership activity is it sort of leveled the playing field and normalized the struggle. So that way when we all start going into this deep end, and this was like really the second activity that we did, like people were able to go there. People were able to go into that space of, you know, uh, some of that vulnerability of what's really happening within me. Um, But then we asked the the second question around that, which is imagining a year from now, what would you wanna be celebrating about your transformation? as a conscious leader, which is the phrase that we use. And so we had them invite, we invited them into both of those questions, gave them space to reflect uh, a good chunk of space to really just go in there. And I played some reflection music and just let them go into that space of like, what's really happening within yourself right now. Mm -hmm. And then invited them to share with one another. Again, going back to what I was sharing earlier of them being teachers of one another um, and helping them to, uh, really learn and learn from one another and give each other a gift of sharing some of that vulnerability. And yeah. again, it based on our debrief and what we were learning, I feel like a, people really were able to go there. People were really able to go there in this workshop. Yeah,
1: I agree. I mean, I think, you know, the good news about this group was that it wasn't a bunch of total strangers. Many of these folks were in another kind of group called the CEO Forum, which I I think allowed us to bring them into a deeper spot because they already had some connection um, and really, you know, share with each other what's what's going on. Um, Somebody said kind of jokingly, but true, I didn't realize I was coming to a support group when I signed up for this workshop. But I think that's what in many places it felt like it felt like getting support from folks who understand what you're going through and who care about you.
0: Well, Sarah, I love what you're saying with that because, you know, we, we don't live um, we don't live in the information agents in, in many ways anymore. There's already mm-hmm. plenty of information. If we need content, we have billions and billions and billions of hours on YouTube, uh, yeah. right? How many workshops are actually just people talking at us all the time? Most. And that's what we really continue to learn is both in Zoom, but also in person, is right. that when we're together, and this is why. Convening organizations are so important and so and are going to grow in their significance or grow in the significance of their role and the need for them in terms of what value they bring like the United Way is being is the ability to facilitate space for people to connect to grow and to learn with one another is way more important than content like we overestimate and overemphasize the importance of content. When how much content has gone in and out of our brains over the last, I don't know, week that we don't even remember anymore, right? How many yeah. times have we scrolled through whatever and like, oh, that's a cool reel, but now I don't even remember what it is? Yeah. Right? We don't we don't need more content. Now it's helpful to frame thing conversations up, but we don't need more content. We need more connection and more community for us to be able to truly learn into some of these concepts.
1: For sure. For sure. And I think, you know, what Maya Angelou's famous quote, nobody will remember what you did, but how you made them feel. And I think that's, you know, we've known this as a species for a long time. But I think we got away from it. And now folks are coming back to this realization that like, doesn't have to be this way. And we don't have to do it alone. And if that's Mm -hmm. true, so then what?
0: Mm hmm. Well, and so the last thing we did under the internal piece, and again, this is just for context. And if if any of you, by the way, who are listening, want to bring this type of a workshop into your team, organization, uh, community of nonprofit or impact-driven leaders, uh, this is this is core to our work. And so if you're interested or, or curious about that, let us know. Uh, we'll have a link down in the show notes for you to be able to uh, check us out and, um, and see what, what that might look like. But the second part we did around internal was was the pathway to get out of reactivity and into what Danny calls creativity is pause, notice, and choose. And it's really mindfulness practices um, as one of the core tools to get out. And so we did a, a, a mindfulness practice, some breath work, one that they were able to run with and take and just get into a different space within their literal physical bodies. Um, and you know, it was really interesting to hear uh, I remember some when we asked what what some people noticed, because I love the word notice. Notice is this really non-judgmental word. It's just like observation. What do you notice? Yeah, And some people noticed they were about to wanting to take a nap. Some people noticed they were feeling really calm. Uh, there was one woman I remember who said she noticed how impatient she was getting. And it was mm-hmm. just really interesting to see all these different uh, human uh, experiences in this one mindfulness practice that we led them through. Uh, and facilitated of where a lot of people come at some of this work from totally different spaces.
1: Absolutely. So the second
0: part, uh, sorry, Sarah, I just interrupted you.
1: No, I was just going to say, I think, um, yeah, it's always interesting to see some some, one woman also noticed kind of how her body was feeling and some pain she was in. And I think we just rarely stop to pause and not only notice what's going on inside, Mm -hmm. but literally how our bodies are feeling, which is just... It's crazy that we've become so busy that we don't even know how we're feeling.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. And the second second part that we took people through, and Sarah, you alluded to it earlier, was this external part, co-creative leadership. So we have conscious leadership for internal and we have co-creative leadership for external, which I think is probably one of the biggest shifts that all of us uh, need to make and so important is, as you said earlier, We come from a world where leadership has been about the few who have the answers, but that space of being the few who have the answers is such a lonely, such an isolating and actually growing more and more, such an irrelevant form of leadership because the speed of change is happening so fast. How are we able to be one of the few who have the answers? We need to instead unlock the many, and in the power of great and generative questions and co-create our futures. Uh, So that's a lot of what we went into. We talk about uh, another quote from John Berghoff. People have energy towards what they get to create, which I love that quote. Uh, We talked about the reframing power of questions and how, and Kathy speaks to this in the debrief, how to go instead of thinking about what's wrong, what's broken, what's missing all the time, perhaps uh, what is it that we even want? What's the best of us? What is actually working? What does excellence even look like? Um, and, and really shifting the type of questions that we ask ourselves and each other that allow us to go into different spaces. As Peter Drucker says, what strength is all we have to build on. Um, so why, why focus on our weaknesses when strengths are what we have to build on, like that's the Mm -hmm. only thing we have to build on. And so, so it's a, it's a whole different approach to, uh, how we actually create change within an organization. Sarah, anything you want to hit on around the external side before we go to this final clip around uh, the debrief that we had with Kathy at the end?
2: I
1: mean, I think we're always just struck by how the things that folks want to co-create around are consistently the same uh, around staff, around revenue, and around board. Uh, And those, I think, are some of the areas that make the job of being a nonprofit CEO or ED so lonely, and yet they're all shared. <laughs> and so it's just a funny paradox that exists right now. Um, and you know, I think you'll see in the clip with Kathy, how some of these pieces start to unlock those silos we've created. Mm.
0: I love that. Well, here, we're going to go over to our our clip with Kathy here, which is us debriefing at the end. Again, we did our pluses and deltas and went through a variety of things. We'll let the whole part play and then we'll come back and close out the podcast. All right, we are here with Kathy. Sarah and I are here, and this is Kathy. As uh, we had the pre-workshop yep. driving in the car, thank you for staying safe, yeah, sure. it's very important. <laughs> um, and now we wanna do some pluses and deltas around the workshop, it was three hours. Mm-hmm around the next normal of nonprofit leadership. And this is for all of us, really, for all of us. What did we learn? What did we learn as we went through that process? What were the pluses, the things we loved, appreciated, thought went well? And what were the deltas, the things we'd shift for next time Mm -hmm. as we are a learning organization ourselves, thinking into
2: it. Well, I think for us, it was the connectivity that everyone felt in the room. Those CEOs feel really lonely at the top. And I think this is a space for them to feel safe, Mm -hmm. relieved, and to connect with each other in a way that they all kind of can relate, right? This conscious leadership and thinking about how they can now take this and take it into their their organizations to uplift everyone. I think that they'll be able to walk away with a lot of a lot of le- new learning. And for myself, particularly just starting off with the resources and that that need to start with what we have and then build from there, as opposed to thinking about the problems, the problems, mm, the yes. problems.
0: That's great. Yeah, that shift from deficit,
2: mm.
0: what's wrong, what's broken, what's missing, yeah. into what do we even want? Yep. What's possible? Yeah. is That's a big shift. Yeah, Absolutely. that's great. Sarah, any thoughts from you?
1: I mean, I think what's so interesting, you know, so there's two parts of this workshop, right? One is about, the first part is about the internal work. And the second part is about external co-creation and the questions. And I think one thing that comes up for me, most times when we ask folks, like, what did they learn? The questions come, right? Because yeah. I think it's so tangible. But what I'm interested in is, like, does that mean folks are bypassing the importance of the internal work mm-hmm. is the mm-hmm. external easier to grab. I'm just, I don't know. I don't yeah. know the answer, but I'm curious <laughs> because that happens a lot, right? It's like the, the questions part, cause it's, we get it fundamentally. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I thought, you know, that's, it's not a plus or a Delta. I'm just
2: curious yeah, about a, that. A curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. I think the space that, that was provided today allows someone to stop and think the inter- like we're in the running back and forth non stop in our organizations and giving the opportunity for them to have a space and mm. feel safe in the yes. time yeah. without feeling rushed allows us to dig internally yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think that emerged a lot today, mm. which was nice because we're always focused on the external. Right, It's just an easier go-to. 100%. But having that quiet time just to deeply think and be very mindful mm-hmm. about how we're doing our work yes. and including others in that process, I think makes all the difference.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like it was intriguing for me to uh, go internal first mm-hmm. because, um, it's like, we're, we're like coming to the deep end with us yeah. right now. You know? It's Jump like, in. we're not even in the shallow end. Yeah. Like we're just jumping off the deep end diving board and here we go. Yeah. And, and, you know, some people wrestle with that and, you know, it seemed like people were able to go in into yeah. that. When is reactivity causing you more harm than good? Like that question. Yeah can bring up a lot. And so I was, my plus is the space that we gave to that, yeah. mm-hmm. to let it have feel spacious. Yeah. Um, because if it's rushed, then it almost like leads to more reactivity.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally.
0: Um, yeah. but it also led to, we didn't get quite as much space for the external as much as I think I would have liked. Yeah. My Delta is like, okay, how do we, how do we get a little bit more space for that external around thinking into some of the questions that we need to ask and, yeah a little more space for the wisdom circles that we did and things like that. So that's what I was processing mm-hmm. through is it's like a plus and a Delta, like oh yeah, the wrestling okay. of these types of workshops. Of, it
2: is. I think the opportunity for them to <clears> connect <throat> after they leave is going to be really important for that external piece. Yeah. I, anytime we're doing internal work, it just needs time. Yeah. It just needs time and it needs to sit. And mm. it was almost hard for us to kind of make that shift when you were asking us to think internally um, and be really reflective. Like we all kind of paused. No one was like writing it down immediately yes. when you said that, right? It, really require some deep thinking and so mm-hmm. I think it was okay that we have that space mm-hmm. and I guess the goal right now for us right here at the United Way is to make sure that they have a, an additional space to reconnect yes. bring that le- new learning and have a space to be talking about the external yep. you know in terms of how they can support each other yeah, yeah 100% mm-hmm. I think a lot of
1: folks came up afterwards and they're all struggling with such similar <laughs> things right which is what we know from our work and the question is like how can we get out of scarcity and connect the dots between and that's what you all do so well here right yeah. at the united way mm-hmm. so excited to see them continue to do that yeah
0: well and i wanted to appreciate too you kathy and the united way of like the work of a convening organization is real work it is. like mm-hmm. so many times we were talking about this earlier that the space of bringing people together is a real skill and it takes real energy and intention and effort and sometimes it's kind of been like put on the side Like, no, that is actually a very clear fundamental role that some organizations need to play. And so I just loved seeing you in action and Trina and some of the others around how we're bringing people together and the importance of these spaces. Right. Because scarcity is pervasive in our nonprofit space, which means that I look at my colleagues by default as sometimes a threat. Right. It's a zero sum game. They might steal funding from me, mm-hmm. you know, these types yeah. of approaches. And so it takes a convening organization like yours to really bring these together. Mm-hmm. And it just takes real skill and grace to hold space. So I just want to appreciate you. Thank you.
2: I, yeah, I think we realize at the end of the day, it's our nonprofits that are doing that work, Yeah. right? They're the ones that are in the thick of it, really supporting families and children. If we can lift them, if we can support them so they do the work even better, then mm-hmm. that's, we've done a little something.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Any last thoughts about today? Anything that comes up? The anything else question on the end of the survey that sometimes like, thanks. And sometimes like, oh, that's where the real me came yeah. is the anything else question.
1: Mm-hmm. Anything well, else? One woman said to me, you know, <clears throat> uh, she's like, I'm really interested in burnout. And, um, she said, how come it's the fact that like teachers and doctors, they have hard jobs, but everyone's like, they have such a hard job and they get celebrated and they, and nonprofit, it's mm-hmm. like, we're invisible. Yeah, like we don't one. get celebrated. Nobody's like those poor nonprofit workers are those yeah. awesome nonprofit workers. Mm. And like, what can we do to celebrate and raise them up? And mm. I was like, gosh, you're right. Absolutely. That's nuts. You know, these other caring professions in our society are people know they're tough, but they're praised and they're uplifted and they're recognized. And like, why isn't that not true for nonprofits?
0: It's, so it's so true. Yeah.
1: It so is true. It's like convening. It's the training and the connecting, but it also made me think about the recognition part of it. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. And like just the celebrating. She's like, I know there's a nonprofit day, but it's only nonprofits that celebrate. <laughs> like, you're so- we all should celebrate. Yeah. <laughs>
2: like, yeah. So that was an aha for me. I was like, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't have to mean that, like. Every member in our community uses a nonprofit. Exactly. They may not necessarily look at an agency or an organization and think it's a nonprofit right. because they're benefiting in some way, shape, or form. But most of us, if not all of us, benefit in one way or another with a nonprofit. Mm. And we're not really thinking about those struggles, those yes. day to day struggles, and what they contribute that make all the difference in the life of this person, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for tuning in to our pre and post assessment <laughs> on our workshop with the United Way of Buffalo. Bye, everyone.
1: Thanks, y'all. Bye.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed our debrief of the podcast, um, Sarah. Your your aha at the end, uh, man. That just like it kind of, it hit me too. It hit me too that that nonprofit leader came up and said, "Are we really invisible?"
1: Yeah. Why don't we matter? How come everybody else matters except for us? And. You know, especially she was talking a little bit about, you know, COVID where everyone was banging on the pans outside of the hospitals and everybody was like, oh, teachers, right, teaching in the pandemic. And like nobody was ever talking about nonprofit workers. And I think it just really raised up for her this huge disparity, which has always existed in the fact that we have these caring Professions that are really at the root of our society in the United States and some of them are really venerated and some of them are completely ignored and the nonprofit leader is is one of those.
0: Well, and, you know, Sarah, I noticed this, too, when I went through um, uh, a, a leadership program here in Denver. A couple years ago, and it was through Leadership Foundation. It was through like the the city basically it was called Leadership Denver. A lot of cities have these types of things. And I remember being struck by the fact that mostly everything that we had and talked about and you know, we met once a month every Friday. Mostly everything had to do with work that nonprofit leaders were working on, right? Hunger and homelessness uh, Mm. (laughs) environmental challenges and issues, um, uh, equity, equity problems and issues in our, in our city. You know, it was so fascinating to see all these nonprofit leaders come in, share their wisdom, and we all would get excited and, and, and interested in the issue. But not one point did anybody really say and really engage the nonprofit leader in their own leadership. Like, How are you? Right. Tell me about you. Mm. And I I think it was a really striking experience for me of exactly what you just shared in your aha, which is so many times we, as a society, overlook the nonprofit leader because we focus on the issue. Um, Right. But then, of course, we've talked a lot about different injustices everything from a lack of, a significant lack of investment in leadership development and scrutiny on the 990 around, you know, their overhead expenses and like, but no, these are people who actually need support in order to do the work. Why do for-profit organizations spend four times more on leadership development than nonprofits do? Because it, because it makes sense because it works because they, we need to invest in people in order to get the job done. But for some reason, it's like this total missing spot of yeah, nonprofit leaders are invisible. We get so excited and focus so much on the issue we forget about the very people who are directly in the trenches and in the deep proximity of this work yeah so i just wanted to appreciate what you were sharing there sarah
1: yeah i think it's it's um it's hurtful right for the nonprofit leaders i think is what i really felt from her it's hurtful right to feel ignored and invisible
0: yeah well which makes me um go back to double down on what Kathy shared and i shared a little bit earlier of if you're a convening organization it is an important role. It is not a, a nice to have, um, a, for some reason being a convener, and that may even be the wrong word, convening. Uh, yeah. It feels maybe too fluffy or something, but people who are able to gather nonprofit leaders like the United Way was doing with us and being able to organize and to help people move forward and connect with each other and build community, that is one of the most important roles in the whole nonprofit sector right now. And so if you're out there and you are, are a convening organization, know that your work is important. Learn how to be better facilitators and community builders, but nonprofit leaders need to connect with one another. And that's one of the best ways that we know to help build the capacity in, their, in them.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Less about skills and more about connection.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thanks all for listening in to our, uh, this is our first version of doing this type of a podcast, so we'll see how it goes. Um, but if this was valuable to you, we'd love to hear, uh, maybe put it, put up a review up in iTunes and, or an Apple podcast and let us know, um, you know, ping us on our Facebook page or on LinkedIn. We'd love to know what value you're getting from this. If any, that'd be great. Otherwise we'll see you on the next podcast. Bye everyone.
1: Thanks y'all.